Welcome to the Sports The Show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with... Manny. And... Dr. Jim. And we have with us, as always... Malcolm Marzette. Always Malcolm. good to have you with us, Malcolm. Uh, today on the show, uh, we are knee-deep into the NBA playoffs here as the bubble continues on, and it has not popped yet for the NBA, knock on wood. But, uh, <laughs> but we have gotten through the first round of the playoffs. Uh, The second round has been officially set. Some teams are already a few games into their series in the East. Uh, That tells you a lot about how the first round went in the East. Uh, It was a lot of chalk. I think it was all chalk pretty much uh, in the uh, first round for both conferences. But just uh, I want to start with you, Tiny. We're just going to kind of go with a quick recap of everything. Uh, What were your feelings on there only being two game sevens in the first round and do you think that the east just had a clear separation of talent between the top four seeds and the bottom four seeds i mean i think they did and um i think we kind of knew that going in so just to run down real quick uh just reaction to some of the series in the east you know milwaukee got surprised first game but they did their thing um afterwards i think they just had a little wake-up call so not I'm going to talk about that. Um, the Sixers process failed um, pretty uh, flagrantly. Uh, Boston is one of my teams that I had their play improve my opinion of them. Uh, the team that stood out the most, and Pat, if you want to, like, you know, mute me for a second, was Miami, actually. Uh, the way they handled themselves against a kind of a young, unknown Pacers team. With injuries. Forward. That Pacers yeah. team was injury riddled. They were. They were. But just watching them, just like, to use a clear I test uh, Miami was kind of my biggest surprise out of the East. Um, and Raptors, you know, handle their business. But as we know, at this point, the Celtics are seem to be in control of that second round matchup. Uh, but let's go out West because that West was way more interesting. Uh, as you said, two game sevens, um, you know, the Jazz Nuggets was amazing uh, as as teams that aren't really in the spotlight. But you saw Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell battle. You saw Jokic and being, uh, you know, the, the most trustworthy guy in Game Seven, and they're 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 going to be dangerous. I think uh, Rockets, mm-hmm. man, uh, barely eking out their KC. Was that fun was to watch. an amazing um, series. It really was. But it kind of showed their depth. That in in that Game Seven, uh, Harden, admittedly, <laughs> in his interview, said he shot like shit. Yep. and uh, couldn't make shit, uh, and he was right. But you know, they they have another MVP on that team as well that mm-hmm. helped carry them through that fourth quarter. So, yeah, out west um, is, I think, going to be more intriguing just as a reaction. L.A., L.A. moved on. Uh, Clippers had a little tougher time, but I think we all foresee foresee them, like, going forward. So, you know, that's my reaction. Uh, All chalk, like you said, and some of the things on the east have already happened, but I cannot wait for these west series to go down, how the Mm -hmm. Clippers uh, deal with the Nuggets and how the Lakers deal with Houston. Uh, I'll toss it to Malcolm next uh, because he's out west and i Absolutely. and i think the west is the more intriguing thing he's also a resident laker as well yes, so. yes, yes. lebron lakers uh they took care of business but um you know the series that i kept my eyeball on um that i picked was the utah jazz series is you know i anticipated murray and donovan Mitchell to go off especially Mitchell. um murray kind of so much surprised me and this is an interesting mm-hmm. stat uh for my status he had three straight 40 plus games and the only 
only other two players to do that um, in the playoffs, um, if you want to guess, is uh, uh, Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. So yep. uh, Jamal Murray's in rare air. Um, so finally, it's good to see him emerge. And that game came to the wire. Last shot, rimming out. Mike Conley rimming out. Um, yeah, and I just I just love the fact that you got two, two dogs going head to head at uh, the point guard or basically shooting guard, but point mm-hmm. guard position. Um, let's see. With Houston, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm such a adamant person about the way that they're playing the game with that, that kind of small ball will not lead to a championship. Yeah. You know, I've heard, you know, Kobe say it and um, I don't think it's going to be successful. They, mm-hmm. they have been successful thus far, but they're about to run into um, Anthony Davis and, and LeBron. So um, that was just the main thing. I'm glad I got to see some talent in the East. I'm happy to see what I see with the Heat and Jimmy Butler coming through, especially Tyler Hero. But um, I'm just going to toss it to Jim, man. Like, well, before we get before we get to Jim real quick, oh, yeah. and I want Jim also to answer this, and then we'll and and Tiny later on too. Yeah. The the Nuggets game seven, I think, was the most impressive ending of any of the game sevens for the the huge mental mistake of the Nuggets getting a steal in the you know oh closing God. seconds of after hitting a after Jokic doing a YMCA move hook shot right. Kareem Abdul Jabbar not really more like your dad at the YMCA it's what it looked like but you had the you had the Nuggets defensively get the ball back and right. drive to the hole take a layup what the fuck was that and mm-hmm. and literally they gave mike conley who can oh make God, yeah. a three the shot and it rims out so malcolm what did what was your overall thought process over those three yeah. possessions when i saw it i was literally on the edge of my seat and they missed they missed their layup so then they go back down and they make that stop so i stand up i'm like oh like okay we're really gonna see something amazing jojic hits his shot in the lane you know, he posts up and he hits a shot in the lane. He's he's pretty much a seven footer. Oh, so yeah. I give him that. But I see Conley coming down and I see Donovan Mitchell across court. And I'm like, is he going to pass it to Donovan Mitchell? Donovan waves his hands. He's like, yo, I'm, I'm open. I, I can take it. Mm-hmm. But Conley's the veteran. So I, I give it to him. And he was wide open. But I wonder, would Donovan Mitchell have made that three? And was there enough time? There's about four, three seconds left. I mean, you might be pushing it. But I love the, that's the typical West Coast games coming to the wide man and just points points literally it went back and forth the last i would say four or five minutes they looked exhausted there was so much but that game in general was one of the lowest scoring games we've seen in the playoffs in years at 80 to 78 it was a so jim how did you feel about everything uh with that game and the playoffs in the first round in general it's um i mean last night um especially was a ton of fun uh we're recording on thursday night so last night is wednesday um but yeah pat you're right like that that nuggets jazz game was it was one of those where it's actually kind of difficult to watch at times you know it came down to the wire and that was that was exciting and it was nice to see you know murray immediately go over to mitchell uh afterwards you know and like hug him and and you know they like you know i'm sorry to them but um (laughs) it was yeah that was really cool to see uh but like 
the fact that, you know, both of them came down to the wire in game seven, you know, West Coast basketball. What was really kind of encouraging was that after the uh, Houston game, they were interviewing PJ Tucker on the court. And he actually made the point um, that I think I made on the on our last episode that this is very much like them all being together at one of these AAU style tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah. very limited uh, number of fans in there and the kind of you know, just like the routine of just you're doing this every day. Uh, it, it was kind of refreshing to, you know, to hear, hear somebody say that. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I'm actually kind of sad that the, that the Thunder uh, lost. Um, you know, we were talking about that game um, last night while it was going on. And mm-hmm. Ty and I kind of agreed that we were, we were rooting for the Thunder. But at the end of the night, like we knew that the Rockets were going to do it. But yeah. the fact that the OKC could make it that close and give me that hope uh, to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to get that close was just, um, uh, I don't know, it was, it was a big letdown. And it was the first time I'd actually felt like a big sports letdown like that uh, in quite a while. So I guess I should appreciate that somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you felt something, Jim. <laughs> well, CB3 might be gone soon. Straight also, up. Also mm-hmm. that, um, you know, well, like, one thing that's interesting, if we like, if we take the ending and the final shot of that Thunder Rockets game last night, uh, the final play and the final play of, you know, the, the Celtics Raptors tonight. Yeah. What's interesting is that in it, Billy Donovan for the Thunder elected to go with his second year player, uh, you know, Shagil Juice, whereas Nick Nurse tonight decided to, you know, make the inbound player Lowry, a veteran guard mm-hmm. uh, who has, you know, passed the ball to a teammate literally millions of times over yep. the course of his life. And he made an incredible pass that got his man, you know, into space, perfectly caught right there at his shooting angle. And he makes his, he makes his shot. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of weird to see, you know, the difference in coaching decision at that point, right? You know, why not put CP3 on the inbound um, and let, you know, one, another shooter, uh, you know, try to try to be the hero. But, you know, you learn, you learn these things. Donovan's still relatively young. Yeah. So. And I think that that Thunder team in general was just very coming into this year they had such low expectations i think they exceeded any oh, real yeah. expectation that anyone had yeah, they for should them be proud of themselves in. especially in this yeah. bubble playoff series to take houston to seven is very impressive even though i have personally been on the record that i don't like the pure analytic style of basketball i think you know you you lose a little heart in it but heart can't be like the, all that shit's spiritual whatever like you can't measure that it's you know what is clutch what is you know but in terms of how houston plays i think they're going to have a huge issue in the second round going against la that can play both uh you know inside and out and i think houston can only play from the outside i don't think they can attack but tiny uh quickly before we get to our uh, next topic i just wanted to get your thoughts on that uh last three possession exchange between the nuggets and the jazz and their game seven. Oh yeah i mean i have thought about this uh the past few days so um like yeah it, it was tough so you have to take that layup you know yeah um he missed it which was a shame and i know donovan mitchell was across the court wide open but conley i think maybe did some quick you know logistical math in his head mm-hmm. if i throw this across the court to donovan who is open yeah i risk a turnover and not a shot at a win mm-hmm. so i'm gonna take this shot and I hope that he doesn't go down in history as being selfish by any means. He took that shot. He had confidence in that shot. And it he, almost went he in. Missed the, he missed that shot by like, into like he, hit the, he hit the out. back iron. 
iron. Like he was a small distance away from swishing that shit and sending them home. So, yep. so my reaction to the that last exchange is I don't blame you know Denver for going for that quick layup because you should have made that. Well, yeah, but um, I mean, don't you just dribble out could, to the they, wing? Could have and you play saying. four they corners. Could, they could have dribbled it out. Yes, but and and that would have in retrospect been mm-hmm. smarter. But I don't blame them for shooting a layup to like yeah. guarantee more points on the board. I just and I don't blame Mike Connolly for taking that shot either. Well, I, I don't blame like, Mike Connolly. Dribble, dribble it out. You could have done the like Brian Westbrook from years ago and like kind yeah. of, you know, gone away from an easy score. Yeah, just but, sit on the ground. <laughs> but the variable was he didn't make the easy score. Well, I'm and, just saying with that, it kind of looked like a J.R. Smith-esque move. Like, dude, you know, that's yeah. what it felt like to me. Like someone was oh, going to come do him and do the LeBron hands at him, you know. Mm-hmm. But with Mike Conley, I don't think he should feel bad about that at all. He almost made yeah. it. And in, you know, I feel like if we're in a multiverse theory and nine out of 10 alternate universes, the shot goes in, you know? So at least like, so we were, it, I just think that that was one of the more interesting kind of sequences we saw out of the entire first round. And for Mm -hmm. it to decide a series was really incredible uh, and fun to watch. And I mean, you know, without fans there, imagine if that happened in a stadium with the fans, you know, that would just be insane. And that's, I lost it on my couch and I didn't even care. Oh, yeah. on. Like, I, oh like, I, I, I lost it last night with the heat game. We'll talk about that next week and nice. when we get into round two. But last night's the, the heat game, Sydney saw me. Uh, yeah, I spiked a pillow off the floor because <laughs> I was so pumped with uh, Jimmy Buckets in the final second. So I was like, you give us that foul. But uh, moving on, we have had, unfortunately, uh, two uh, passings of great legends in the basketball world. Uh, really three will include uh, two coaching legends and a great player. Um, we had John Thompson and Lute Olson both pass away in the last week. And we also had passing of Cliff Robinson, who was a great NBA mentor to a lot of players and was also on the uh, famous, if not infamous, Jailblazers team, as Tiny and I were talking about before the program. But we're going to get into all of their legacies. But I just wanted to personally talk about John Thompson first because um, just if you grew up in the 80s or 90s he was a very very central influential figure in the college basketball landscape uh, for creating the basketball juggernaut he did at Georgetown which only did get one national championship and uh, in his tenure you know a lot of people thought he was going to get a lot more in the mid 80s with the Patrick Ewing led Hoyas but uh, he was the first ever uh, black coach to win a national championship in the NCAA and uh, in basketball. And he uh, was also just a very, very uh, big inspiration to a lot of his players. Uh, he personally took care of his players in terms of making sure that they were raised in the right atmosphere for young black men in America at that point in time, which was, you know, it, it was viewed by the media as uh, Hoya paranoia and sheltering. But in reality, John Thompson was fostering an environment to empower young black men to be the leaders of tomorrow. And it's something in athletics, uh, particularly on the Division One collegiate basketball level, that uh, you saw some 
coaches take pride in, but other coaches exploit their players to a great degree. But I know uh, Malcolm's going to talk about Lute Olson and what he did at Arizona, but I just wanted to, you know, go into just really how big of a star John Thompson was in the world and what he did off the court was equally as important. Uh, he was the first collegiate head coach to walk off a court in protest. Uh, I believe it was Prop 45, was it, Malcolm? That's correct. That's yeah. Correct. And, uh, you know, that was a proposition to increase the SAT score, the levels of entry for black collegiate players in particular was who it was targeting. And John Thompson called it out for what it was, systemic racism. And he did a great thing by walking off the court that day. And, uh, you know, we we saw something of that nature recently with the Bucks walking off the court uh, and having a wildcat strike uh, opposing police violence against uh, black Americans today in the United States. But John Thompson, you know, I just will say from where I grew up in small town, South Carolina, he was a very polarizing figure in the communities of small town America. You either loved him or you thought he was the worst thing on earth. And it's just so fucked up that that was the line drawn from the 80s to the early 90s of this man who was trying to, you know, empower young men that did not have the chance to succeed at life through systemic restrictions implemented over hundreds of years that come down to these, you know, institutions in college, in sports, athletics in general. And you had so many people vigorously against him. You know, you saw so many teams that they would play against having signs with just extreme racial epithets on them. And John Thompson demanding that signs be taken out of the stands or his players would not play, particularly in the case of Allen Iverson coming to Georgetown <laughs> after being slandered for an incident that. at a bowling alley, which was not yes. what they made it out to be. And he had all of his scholarships rescinded for college football, all of his scholarships rescinded for college basketball. No one wanted anything to do with him. John Thompson took him in and Allen Iverson turned out to be one of the greatest NBA players ever. But I just wanted to, you know, give my condolences to everyone associated with John Thompson. I know it's a very hard loss. He's a very, you know, tough loss for the sporting world in general and for the black community in general. And I think we should all reflect on John Thompson's legacy and see what we can do better ourselves instead of this nonsensical bullshit that I heard my whole life growing up from various coaches, various people around saying, oh, he would only recruit black players. This is racist. No, it's fucking not. It's a solution to the problem of racism that we see in America today. And the man had an agenda to help people. And it's ridiculous to say otherwise. But mm -hmm. whoever else would like to jump in after what? that, <laughs> we uh, can jump in. On that, like just the transition on your last statement, he was incredibly selfless. Um, I grew up very close to D.C. And admittedly, I was raised a Maryland fan. Um, I'm on the Maryland side of town and my father went to Maryland and we always mm -hmm. cheer for Maryland. But every night, you know, in basketball season on the local news uh, before before there were 300 channels, I would see Georgetown, you know, being highlighted as well um, in this very small sports section of the news. And I, I caught a lot of what Georgetown did and 
a lot of what they did was because of John Thompson, you know, famously to people that didn't know him that well, he had Alonzo Mourning, Takemi Mutombo, yep. uh, and more famously Patrick Ewing. Like he was a big man that taught big men how to be successful and recruited them accordingly. Um, and that's just the outside layer of the onion. He, beyond that, did, um, like Pat mentioned, he took players in that others would not, and he gave them a chance. And AI famously in his mm-hmm. Hall of Fame speech literally said that John Thompson saved my life. Yep. AI, who is a Hall of Famer, and we know him, we know his accomplishments, said in his Hall of Fame speech that John Thompson saved his life. Mm-hmm. People did not want him. And I made this reference earlier that Georgetown almost became a early version of Last Chance You. Like he yeah. took in people and his impact goes beyond what he accomplished in the NCAA and in basketball. He took in players and turned their lives around. Oh yeah. Which which cannot be overstated. He mm-hmm. was incredible at that and made success out of that and won a championship. And even when he won a championship, he said, he said, you know what? Yeah, maybe I am the first black uh, coach to win this, but I'm not going to accept that as an accomplishment because previous African-American coaches were denied this chance. So it's, he kind of like brushed that off as like a monumental accomplishment. He was like, yeah. you know, I did this because I had the chance, not because I'm the first to do it. So, yeah. and yeah, growing up around DC, he's a legend there. He's an absolute legend there. Um, his son also became a legend there. Yes. And everyone in that fraternity that knew him and that was under him had so much success. And it's it's really sad that he passed, but he did pass with, you know, great status and will never be forgotten, especially in D.C. and across the basketball world. Yeah. Um, I'll throw it to whoever wants to pick it up. Jim or Malcolm, jump in um, to yeah. talk about John Thompson. I think um, kind of one striking uh, thing about his career is that, you know, I don't know about you all, Tiny, obviously this this would be will be the case. But, you know, I grew up in, in, in Atlanta yeah. and, um, you know, going into grade school, into middle school, you know, that that Hoyas hat or, um, you know, a Hoyas jacket. The starter was, jacket. Yeah. yeah. You know, those were commonplace um, yes. in Atlanta of all places. Oh, in Denmark, um, South Carolina. No, in my hometown yeah. of 2000 people, if you had the Hoyas jacket or the Dallas Cowboys starter jacket, you were the shit. Yeah. And so it was. Outcast shouts them out. Bulldog and hoes like Georgetown Hoyas. That's a monumental line. That's from John Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And so what's interesting, I guess, is, you know, that I was thinking back on this and I I read um, uh, a really good retrospective at The Ringer uh, that um, a writer who had actually known him for a while and uh, had interviewed him a number of times uh, recently in retirement. But that in growing up at that point in in my life um, and seeing, you know, all of this Georgetown stuff, I'm. I remember kind of like I'm quietly wondering like what is going on here? What even is that? Like, um, you know, what is a Hoya? One, yeah. Uh, and two, <laughs> you know, what, what, what or where is is Georgetown, and, and why is this such a pervasive, popular uh, thing that that people my age are um, are going out and buying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know, it wasn't until you know many years later that I did finally kind of uh, come around and uh, realize that it. 
it was because of those Georgetown teams that had that John Thompson uh, was responsible for turning into a national brand. <laughs> um, but I, that I've always kind of admired that. And so this uh, this ringer writer pointed that out to me, and it was um, it was a weird nostalgia, I guess, to kind of like go back to that period of like you know fourth, fifth, sixth grade and uh, kind of reconsider um, all of those Hoya hats in, in Atlanta. Uh, you know, with the with the hindsight that we have now in 2020. Yeah. No, I mean, just the legacy Georgetown had in terms of fashion and culture in general. I mean, all of that was originated from the mentality George, uh, that John Thompson allowed the players at Georgetown to, you know, foster and create. You saw, you know, players have their own personality in a way that you had not seen basketball players have before. And, you know, a lot of white Americans. America clutched their pearls and had the false indignation of, oh, my goodness, they're dunking the ball, you know, and just stupid bullshit like that. And just, you know, the the way that he stood up in the face of discrimination and the face of a system that did not want him there to succeed, uh, you know, is just incredible at any point in time, but specifically in the period that he was in and high Reaganism era, he brought the black community up and in the face of the American public. Whether you liked it or not, you had to fucking watch it because the Hoyas were in it. But, uh, you know, you know who else? This is a, an interesting point that I'd, I learned kind of recently and I kind of assumed, but it came to the forefront after his uh, passing is you know who one of his best friends was is Dean Bill Smith. Oh, oh, well, also Bill Russell. Yeah, yeah. That's Dean why I said Smith. Dean Smith and him yeah. were like boys, oh, and yeah. like they famously you know played each other when Jordan hit that shot against Georgetown. But him and Dean Smith, you know, to a layman would look like completely opposite players yep. or coaches. You know, like someone in the South coaching conservatively mm-hmm. and taking on recruits that are highly talented and well-behaved, et cetera, whatever. Yep. And then, you know, George uh, Thompson taking on, you know, a different crowd and like Radicals. whoever, you know, whoever like <laughs> he thought was great and he wanted to mentor and create greatness with. And those two were actually would talk on the phone like very often oh, yeah. um, after, you know, especially after the like kind of Jordan Ewing era. And they were, they were going in the same path, but in different ways and they would talk to each other. Well, and I think that kind of, you know, uh, well, and, and like, yeah, they, they like appreciated each other and like wanted to learn from each other. And I think that's yeah. beautiful. And that like, that's, that's not a well-known story. I heard uh, it talked about the other day and it really kind of struck me as like, damn, like he was even cool with like his rivals per se. Well, like, like Jim Beheim awesome. came out and talked about his, uh, you know, always his respect for uh, what John Thompson did and his conversations he'd have with him as well. But the, the one last thing I want to say about John Thompson was also he was the cataclysm for bringing the East Coast back into the basketball hierarchy through the Big East and the great matchups we would see in the Big East tournament. 
tournaments in the 80s, specifically with St. John's, with Syracuse, with Georgetown, and so on and so forth. He brought New York City back in terms of basketball relevance on the college aspect where you'd have the Big East tournament every year, but just the Atlantic Coast in general, where the Big East was kind of fading away from memory of, you know, having basketball prowess. But you saw a real resurgence at his time period of coaching in Georgetown, specifically for East Coast teams, where, you know, we kind of in the 70s and 60s, it was much more Western Coast style mentalities of playing basketball and a lot more in the Midwest as well with Indiana, Michigan State, so on and so forth. Exactly. But, you know, he has a legacy that we could fill a whole show with in general. But uh, Malcolm, I wanted to get to you. What were your thoughts on John Thompson? And I know you and I wanted you to also lead us in the Lute Olson. Um, It's interesting. Like I've always been um, U of A and always West Coast is that divorce. I've always been going out there over the summers. But we'll get in that in a second. But um, when he died, you know, I gave my dad a call and he was like, oh, Big John died, you know? And um, just the fact that they had nicknames and people were larger than life characters in the Big East. Like that's when basketball, 80s basketball, really, really hardcore basketball. There were giants um, down low. Um, I wish I watched more of him, especially um, now. But uh, I'm such a fan of him. Everything from what Tiny said about, you know, him dismissing the fact of being the first black head coach to win a championship and it being the fact that, you know, there are many more people who are more qualified to be there. But um, I just want to dismiss that fact. And just stories of him having deflated basketballs and being like the first question I'm going to ask you is, what are you going to do when the air is out of the ball? Just just forcing the players to think more so beyond basketball. And, you know, in our, in our community, black community, that's rare um, to treat young athletes, student athletes like men mm-hmm. and expect and holding them to a standard and keeping them classy and protecting them, especially with the situation with Allen Iverson and them holding up signs. Set, what was the next, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, but they blacked out everything and it said the next OJ. Yep. And he's saying, I'm not going to play if that sign is in um, the stands. Mm-hmm. Holding holding the game accountable. That's why I could see people like Dean Smith um, being um, both a, a fan, but then also a rival because it elevates the game. Yep. It, uh, the better we are at, at speaking our game makes everyone else on the podcast better, you know? And we respect each other for that because everybody's taking their dedication um, to the craft. And I just love the fact that he was brash. He was honest. He held his men accountable. He was a leader. And I, and I, I love that. Um, also, we'll segue it like this. He was also a a, a, a suitor for the Jesus Subtles work and uh, he got game. And also, <laughs> yeah. so was uh, Lute Olson. And um, to me, Lute Olson was always my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a kid, I remember seeing some of these teams and we're going to go into the numbers here because uh, <laughs> Lute Olson, um, you know, Robert Luther Olson um, is a winner, man. Coming from a seven time Pac-10 coach of the year, you know, leading 11 Pac-10 championships, 20 
20 consecutive 20 win seasons, 25 victories. You know, he has the second best record in the Pac-10 behind John Wooden, of course, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, has, he has more Pac-10 wins than John Wooden before he joined UCLA, but um, he led Arizona to the four Final Four appearances in the one national championship, which was in 97, right? Yep. And the last joint of it, which is pretty crazy, is his 25 consecutive NCAA tournament appearances, which is, um, you know, behind um, North Carolina, of course. Yeah. But to yeah. me, just the players coming from Arizona, um, it was just anti. Like, growing up in Charleston, South Carolina, I would always go visit out in Arizona, and people would think I was crazy. It's as if I was going to Mars, and I'm coming back, and I'm like, yo, I'm watching these players play. I'm seeing Mike Bibby play. You know, I'm seeing Jason Terry and Richard Jefferson. And they're like, mm-hmm. who is that? What 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 are you talking about? And just having a different perspective, I've always had that kind of um, just opportunity to see that, that type of basketball. And that's what got me to go to University of Arizona because I knew for a fact I was going to see some quality basketball players no matter what. So I thought that was a plus for being able to go to school out here. Um, not to mention you got a, I think you have a Miami Heat player that's from U of A, Solomon Hill, I believe. Is he still on the roster? Yes. Or no? Solomon, so Solomon's even, even there. We got him in the trade. <laughs> He's still, He's still there. there. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it was it was a double-headed uh, hit for me. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing the outpour of John Thompson and what he did for, you know, the black community and definitely for what he did for Allen Iverson and then seeing uh, Lute Olsen kind of pass away, unfortunately, which is under the radar. But out here, you know, you can't say college basketball without Lute Olsen. It's his the name's on the... It's like, yeah. it's one of the godfathers. It's a king. So, um, and his name's on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's his and, court. Right. <laughs> and yeah, that that's pretty much all I have to say about it is just that it was always a crop of talent. You knew that players from this team were going to mm-hmm. go pro. And mm-hmm. also you knew that they played together basketball. They always shared the ball. Like I, I, I'm a fan of the game, so I, I like the way the ball movement is happening. More assists, per se, than um, isolation basketball. And that's the way it was out West. Of course, three-point shooting, but definitely movement of the basketball team. Well, well, Tiny, how did you feel about uh, Lute Olsen in general uh, and his passing? So Lute Olsen, he, he gets into the category of a lot of coaches that I grew up watching college basketball with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember that 97 team, Malcolm, but I'll start I earlier. <laughs> um, he is in that class of like, first of all, uh, Gary Gary Williams. Like he's like the sweaty like back o- himself. Older, co- older <laughs> coaches of that era, like Dean Smith, like these, oh, like yeah. Bobby Knight, like yep. these, right. these, I, these, I stay with my college for years, coaches, Beheim, Shashevsky, mm-hmm. like this whole list, Tom Izzo. And he, he was like the earlier version of a lot of them. He was on the forefront, maybe like timeline wise, but he stuck with Arizona for years and he made Arizona relevant mm-hmm. um, in a kind of paradigm where he might not have been thought of as, as one of the top coaches, but he always was. Yeah. So like he always competed. He always produced great athletes. He won it in 97 with Bibby Jefferson. Uh, Miles Simon, I think was on that team too. Yeah. On that, on that 97 team, just to chime in really quick. It's yeah. Name it's it. Name one team. team to beat three number ones on the way yeah. to the championship. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's yep. still yeah. the yep. only team to do that. Yeah. Yes. So, so unfortunately, maybe in that time period, he was overshadowed. Absolutely. Like, like fame wise. 
guys, but in my mind, forever, he will always be part of that lexicon mm-hmm. of great coaches that stuck with their team forever, which yeah. is kind of, which might be a dying breed going forward. I hope it continues, but you know, in, you know, let's say 80s, 90s, and early 2000s basketball, he's in that conversation of great coaches. Uh, and he was probably overshadowed by the Behans and the Strzevskis and the Dean Smiths and the Roy yeah. Williams and et cetera. But he's in that fucking conversation. Like, and it's sad to see him go. Mm-hmm. And he developed a lot of great players and produced Truly. some really great pros. And hopefully with his passing, people remember him as how great that he was. Um, yeah. And that's that's what I remember about him. Yeah, Jim, uh, how did you feel about Lou Olson's uh, career in general? And uh, how do you feel about his passing? Well, I like it. You know, Tiny pointed out that really he was in the same way that, you know, John Thompson was instrumental in making Georgetown and not just Georgetown, but Big East relevant, but mm-hmm. that, that Luke um, made Arizona relevant. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who has worked in sports media, you know, too much uh, or too often, I would say, because so many media outlets are on the East Coast, mm-hmm. a lot of those, you know, Pac-12 games and the West Coast games sort of like can get lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially for, yeah, especially for college basketball which doesn't enjoy, you know, kind of um, the same amount of TV coverage, especially when it is overlapping with with football. Oh, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, you know, you've got this you've got this little powerhouse out there in the middle of of the desert that, um, you know, is just wrecking people on a weekly basis. Uh, I think one thing, too, uh, is that with with both of these guys passing in such, you know, quick succession uh, that for people that are kind of of our generation that, you know, were born maybe in the earlier mid 80s, and then sort of like came of age and sort of gained a sports consciousness, as it were, into the 90s, um, that it does really feel like a generation of college basketball, a full generation of college basketball, East and West, uh, was just, you know, wiped out of off the map. It really Uh, does. No, that's accurate. 2020, man. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, um, it's, it's really striking to me, you know, he, he was born in, in rural, uh, North Dakota, well, rural North Dakota, I think is redundant. Uh, North Dakota. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's rural, <laughs> but that he, Absolutely. um, you know, he brought that Midwest, uh, style basketball of moving the ball around, mm-hmm. sharing responsibility, distributing to one another, relying on your teammates, uh, that he brought kind of that, that farm attitude, uh, you know, into the desert and um, brought up Arizona. And what's kind of yeah. interesting now about considering Arizona and watching them, especially when uh, tournament time rolls around, is that it was Lute Olson that all, that is responsible for those expectations that Arizona, you know, this could mm-hmm. be the year again. And it's he's the reason why Arizona is always going to start out ranked in the top 25. They are probably not yeah. going to leave the top 25 over the course of a season. And then they will enjoy... Uh, at, at minimum an eight C, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, it, it, it's um, it's been a real sad time, I guess, to kind of like you know uh, consider that both of these guys aren't with us anymore. Yeah, I and and I just think that it's kind of also been a time of reflection in general for 
this the evolution of the college basketball coach from what it was uh what tiny uh talked about with someone staying with the team for so long and you know being there year in and year out you now, legacy well exactly you now have you know your john calipari's your tom cranes your you know you've got yeah, a You've got, yeah, you've got, well, you've got a lot of people, well, like Izzo and Krzyzewski, I think, could be that last of the dying breed, but you have a lot of people that are shifting teams, even, you know, like someone at Kansas State with Frank Martin going to South Carolina now, and, you know, those are two different, and it's not that he's an amazing coach or anything, but just saying in general, Billy Donovan winning championships at Florida, going to the NBA, you know, we saw California. He was at Florida for for, for, for a what, 15, long time, fifteen seasons. Yeah. But you hey, know, man, you he could back to back national championships. But, but Billy Donovan could have been there for forty years. Florida oh, yeah. would have never gotten rid of it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Is is right. we are in a different That's, that is true that is in true. a different day and age where you know you do have the college coach looking for that next opportunity versus you know specifically I want to live and die here. Um. And, you know, that's a culture change. That's just that's just what it is. But it is, I think, with passing of both of these giants, a good time to kind of reflect on what was and look at what the evolution is today. And, you know, both of those men have a lot to do with the landscape of college basketball as it is today. Uh, like both like Jim and Malcolm both brought up, you know, the Pac-12's relevancy in the 90s, you know, outside of UCLA making a deep playoff run and I think right. they had uh, a national championship game in like 95 94 something mm-hmm. like that you know Arkansas won a fucking championship in the 90s the 90s were crazy but yes you yes. know uh, <laughs> awesome awesome time. <laughs> that was a crazy time but uh, you know Arizona winning really put the Pac-12 right. back on the map uh, you know because it, it could have been you know what if Gonzaga would have won and taking all that, mm-hmm. you know, all that thunder from Arizona and put it all in whatever the hell the wet, the WCC that they're in. So, you know, that that's what I'm saying, though, is that Lou Dolson, John Thompson, they created something out of nothing and their legacies can never be forgotten. Uh, both have unique personality traits and what makes them great. And just in today's climate that we're in, and the political atmosphere, someone like John Thompson's legacy uh, for what he did off the court also in terms of, you know, affecting positive change for the black community, whether it be, you know, high school recruits getting looked at differently than when before he came into the league, before he came into college basketball. Honestly, you know, uh, talking about recruits, just to hop in real quick, um, he didn't recruit Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and he said this, and he was actually instrumental to getting him into LSU at that time. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of behind the scenes movement that oh, yeah. we probably don't know of that Don Thompson was like, yeah, take a look at him. Okay, take him because I already got my team set, but give him a scholarship. This is the next one up. This is another big man that I see. Yeah. And John Thompson said um, Shaquille O'Neal was one of the most talented big men he's ever seen. And that that's a big statement to say when you're behind Bill Russell. So, yeah. 
but his yeah. reach is, is legendary. But yeah, no, it, it, and you know, these two greats will be missed. Uh, you know, their insight and inspiration will be long lived. So, you know, rest in peace to John Thompson and Lute Olson. Also, yeah, rest in peace, rest in peace to Cliff Robinson, as we also mentioned earlier. You know, he's a great mentor, great journeyman. Uh, you know, but with these passings, a lot of people have time to, you know, reflect, move forward and learn from the legacies of others. But uh, we're going to get more into the NBA playoffs on our next show. Uh, we're going to talk about the NHL playoffs as Tiny has got some hot takes for us into the NHL next week yep. uh, as we continue, ready. we continue Absolutely. to advance. And also be on the lookout for our NFL preview show as we have that starting as well. College football is coming back, so we're going to have a lot on tap. I believe, I believe they're, they're playing right now. Yeah, they are. They're playing right now. Southern, Southern Miss punted. On their uh, on their opponent's thirty four yard line and pin them inside the one yard line. <laughs> well, that's incredible. So Scott, uh, college football is a that guy. And news, Jim. Notes on him. And in this incredible sports uh, period that we're in, we also weirdly have, I believe, the PGA Tour Championship this Sunday. Tiny. Everything is happening. Right Everything's now. happening mm-hmm. right now. So we All might sports. have we might have five shows next week. I don't know. A lot's happening. <laughs> Uh, but we're just having oh, one man, show. Breath until the Masters, Tiger will show up off his yacht. We'll see. But we're just, uh, you know, pushing through. With, we're just pushing through with the one show this week. <laughs> but we will be back and better than ever next week. As always, for the sports, the show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with Annie and Doctor Jim. And as always, Malcolm Marzette. And we will catch you guys next week on the sports, the show. To how much power you have when God sends prophets and messengers, they don't care nothing about your power because yeah. they come from the power. Red nigga, I'm a wonder. Your best success is my worst blunder. Feds tap the number. Jury Jacqueline Onassis could appreciate. We to alleviate the pain. Eddie King, put your pride pinky ring. Watch your conduct, nigga. Throw parties for my niggas that's living. You guessed it. Models, y'all keep them if they anorexic. Love them, but can't trust them. Hate them, but won't bust them. Caking and saving. Spinning, wasting. It's like a custom. Tats are hieroglyphics. Lipstick on the collar. I got more to lose than you do, but I'm a rider. When did the rules change? Y'all living trendy on pennies. Meeting deadlines with ease. No game. You fire on Butane, Gator Tim's ostrich belts. These be the times that I surprise myself. My niggas looking like black crows and packed shows. The Don voice stay pristine like I'm still 17. 17. I'm rich, black, African, rocking the golden Mac. Sherlin leather, Gucci leggings on my back. Willie Bostic, hoodlum in the trench. Rinse these niggas. 86 gazelles, dicing near the fence. Mike Tyson, disciple, trifle when my pen is a rifle. 16 ways to shoot you through your Chrysler Duke. Exhaling with niggas, the jails argue. Bring the best niggas to the table. I sit for my whales on you. Custom wooded speakers, rock releases. Run from polices, dump on creatures. Holidays with breaches, stainless steel watches. Ostrich turtlenecks, here's the deal. If we 
can't come and they can't have a feel. Bones of Cisco murder instrumentals. Kanye horse rap. How many horses live official? I run with generals who flash Uzis in interviews. My shit is deep, you fly swimming. Verse dudes. two gotta be all murder, just like the first verse. Tim Jello like the hair on a Malibu surfer. Yellow like my Harry Winston glistening on B. Yellow like New York City pissing concrete. Right, Who voted Tosin in the wind? Las Vegas Otis, what you know? Leave it right here. We goats in the Lotus. Put a package on your head. Be promoted. Keys in effect. Paying these dumb fucking D's off in donuts. I hate to see you acting like a slave to get an advance here and advance there because somebody else controls your destiny. Hey yo, I'm rich. Black. Umbrella calico captain West craving with a blade in the black. I'm hood ornaments. Junkies win awards in my tournaments. My shit is listed like a performance piss. You know we order hits. Planes flying, niggas is sure to get ya. Whether in Costa Rica, Lisa, she's sure to twist ya. Eating shallow main with chopsticks. Glocks with aim. Watermelon chips. Pop some pain for all the riches. Niggas forcing out they feelings, kid. Whether in hallways or the boats, now fillers, kid. Out in Alaska and the Astons. Remember my passion, hungry. Wolf who never eat in his castles Bolivian connects restless, yeah Chef ambidextrous Quick to back you in like the Lexus shit Hunted by the FBI, we gracious More demonstrations, shit is tough Milk the carnation Shake like epilepsy, plague your neighborhood with lyrical leprosy. Simulate. 
play more than X and Z. Y'all niggas check my recipe, dig it. I'm most observant, analyze when I'm chilling. Peep out who's the villain, then make up your whole pavilion of a Sicilian. Excuse the greed, don't want a mill, I want a zillion. Stacks of Franklin's to the ceiling. Accounts that's imported, fuck a yacht in a mansion. I'm on Pluto and Jupiter, political, universal expansion. Buy out Tommy and Hallie Hansen. Kidnap America, Rick, you hold it for ransom. Pass it down to my grandson. I got no time to be romancing. Only times for mental food and advancement. This game of life is strictly chancing. Get to know the nature before I get to know the nigga while I'm glancing. Enhancing is my mental. I play in the Mr. Squad of Chemo's cruisers, not in the hassle rentals. My utensils display a whole variety. Even when in the cut, niggas can't kill their anxiety. Peep, I fill your brain with suspicion. Pay attention like you pay tuition and stop all your bullishing. The rap chemists in the lab till the finish. The mic is my apprentice, cause I can't stand court sword tennis. My pigmentation is diminished. That's why the system's always trying to pursue with a blemish. Pale asses think unique and endless. My foes tremendous, but a mill you can't replenish. The question you ask when situations get worse. Fam, I won't refrain ya, cause I'm no great pretender. On this agenda, there is no pretenders. So when we begin to assassinate your cash members. On this agenda, there is no pretenders. So when we begin to assassinate your cash members. On this agenda, there is no pretenders. So when we begin to assassinate your cash members. On this agenda, there is no pretenders. So when we begin to assassinate your cash members. It's like that. One time for your mind. Fifth dynasty is the Season. The morale was low at the corral. 
Neither took pronouns, had no style. The week proposed out ain't the official initial. It's rule of zigzag, ziggler. All the other portion ain't permissible. Annual increase of the Wu-Tang manual. Handles to keep all this true hip-hop shit tangible and legible. Every egg ain't edible. My traps remain unforgettable. An old Nat Cole. Got to catch this paper. The box of Quasia, Glacier, Melchizedek, a skyscraper. Understand that the continents of Africa and Asia. And free the black man from the slave labor. The weight of the fam is on the back and we can't fall victim to this long hall of fame meaning nothing. We came to punish the glutton with a substance that can't be contained. Wu-Tang, motherfuckers. We be seeing y'all asses when we walk up in the club. Y'all all in the back, scared to speak, but speak cause you scared. Punk motherfuckers, we know what time it is. Well, you been seeing this upsets in the box and shit, right? It's like, come on, man. This nigga fucked up motherfucking Whitaker. Check it out. Volume one of this joint. 
Ski in Switzerland, down in Morocco, gambling, handling. Be out for my crooks back in the BXX, collect wines, Italian designs. Quicksilver can paint the canvas if needed, but should it be not? Cause everything goes according to plan. So killing them softly, making them copy, blessing the black leaf, sticking with 40 thieves. Now dig it, bruh, time to conjugate all my delegates. The cocker, callable daggers from the trapero, and they dime, leader named Sunshine, the load of Falanis, digging there, rocking this pocket, blow them that stack, hacking sack, how Way to Holly, full this cashmere, satin pro, got the Somali, rose on my mind. In France, I dance by the moon, sailing from Cancun, steaming Vegas lakes, limping with some delegates that put me on. Cool weed scarf around my neck, little red corvette. We got some merchandise to heist. Up in Canada, right, we right, roll. Right. Calling up the diamond delegates, black connection. Food is any cheaper in the suite, black connection. Got the Bronx, Brooklyn, and the Harlem, black connection. All the tribe, bro, got the back of black connection. Chicks called me up, told me Rose is dying, why you Gigi Sway, need right hand for this caravan to retrieve the bread. Harlem Brook BX, kiss the character to snatch the goods. Huggy Bear, put me on to the Wallona head. I got the wire, ignored it, then poured it real slow into Kita's glass. Her radiance, radiance, smiling diamonds, Giorgio splash. The sweet is arousing, caressing Caribbean gems. The squeezing of Jezza is stimulating. Now I'm a bent, blend, symphonies. Left for Crystal Rock, I cop the Tiffany. She sniff her on, let her head down, and pace the balcony. I scraped the well, that I have her on the scrum for years, but back to the hawk. Pulling shice maneuvers on my camp, yeah I don't understand what the fuck is up With my man, he eat a bowl of hot cock Now Sunny Chiba, volume one Catch the mighty Tyrion cat Coming out the go-go bar Harvey's over top, mop him up Juka's monkey ass Calling up the diamond delegates Black connection For the Sunny Chiba and the Sway Black connection Got the Bronx, Brooklyn, and the Harlem Black connection All the tribe, bro, got the back of black connection My huggy bear connect, connect me Cautious, I enter with flamish Scorch you by the door, moolah all over the floor Time to gather as much as I can Trying not to get bland My band is vicious Get message to Chiba In need of assistance right now Then I get the rumble on the hip I hear the fuzz Gotta split Get my beeps so once over Sweet in town Bridge bound See the shite The eyes building up below This is it To the corridor Hit the floor Time you pack it up What you laughing at Loose cannons Plays my hat the way Take a leg Into the hallway Vision Geechee sway Coolie high cat Back to back About to see the gates Twist the fate He's up in the room Let the guns yeah, play avoid the pe- more than jeopardy with no ammo to blow But me and my ace ain't going out Then less than zero, oh no Now here come the crooks parading by storm with the looters and all We conquer ground as usual Low empire can never fall Yeah, calling up the diamond delegates Black connection For the sunny Chiba and the Sway Black connection Got the Bronx, Brooklyn and the Harlem Black connection All the tribe, bro, got the back of black connection Calling up the diamond delegates for black connection For the sunny Chiba and the Sway Black connection Got the Bronx, Brooklyn and the Harlem Black connection All the tribe bro got the back of black connection Brother Joe Chink be a part of black connection Sunny Chiba be a part of black connection Cat Fat Boo be a part of black connection Man Suede always be a part of black connection And we ride on <laughs> Walk like 
like a giant, talk like a tyrant. Faith of a mustard seed destined for a triumph. David or Goliath, hate me or admire. Kush burn slow as I chase my desires. Embrace my empire. Bate boy, eat fire. Guns like choirs when they sing, keep quiet. Will I get to heaven? Turn to Psalm 27. Lord knows when I see this monkey, I'ma be the devil. Beat him cause I'm clever. Beat him at whatever. You never was a G, nigga. Unit me together. New York unified. Down south, love that. When we got the shine, motherfuckers, where the love at? Real niggas getting money, better log on. Kick the game there now. Imagine when your dog gone. Imagine when it's all gone. When your phone off, it's only one to call on. If I could leave this place, if I die today, I could honestly say. Thank Just you, to Lord. make you happy Thank But you, Lord But we both know Oh, oh, oh This you, ain't our life, folks We could build our own world But the streets keep calling me I'm bigger than a title Bigger than a name Label, we the biggest label in the game Put food on the table Fed the whole city Tell me who be the fool If the feds come get me 30 years are better When you call a trendsetter The world's so cold Hope you got a little sweater Caught a little case But he had a little cheddar Played out the 15 Poured his life in a letter Very first line He called Trick Daddy stupid Say he got A's Telling people that it's lupus Not the one just to jump to conclusions I'm getting money Small talk could be a nuisance Broke chains reminiscing to them nooses Sitting on deuces, new land cruises Who the fuck you calling losers? You niggas losing, look like you could use us If I could leave When I bought my place, first Run DMC vinyl on my face, And my I first two live crew cassette Just to make you happy I would have cried if I knew I would be where I'm at today But if I really was, when all these niggas undercover fucking niggas up, keep it shrill. A nigga never had a gun and badge. Kept a nice watch smoking on a honey sack. Back in the day, I sold crack for some nice kicks. Skipping school, I saw my friend stab with an ice pick. Young nigga 15 with three C's. From that very day, I carried on the three C's. Can't criticize niggas trying to get jobs. Better get smart, young brother, live yours. Only live once, and I got two kids. And for me to feed them, I get two gigs. I shovel shit, I see yo. So we can bow our head and pray over the meatloaf. I'm looking at the big picture. Keep a bitch with you, trying to get a bit richer. If I could leave this place with a smile on my face, I remember praying for, I give up everything for me just to get that. Just to make you happy. The opportunity to have a record deal.
14, so I start selling crack cocaine and codeine. Time to stack some paper, I gotta do it quick. Thinking I'm a juvenile, but they don't know who they messing with. Yeah, my mama's only son. But I live every day like it's my motherfucking last one Every nigga and they mama asking why But I'm in the game, live by the game And in the game I'ma die And if I die, or should I say, if I go Bury me in home clock next to the come and go Cause tomorrow ain't promised to me The only thing promised to a player is the penitentiary So I'ma take care of my business on the smooth tip Watch my back selling crack and pack two clips And when you think about that, you say It'll be on as a trip you here today But the next day you're gone I saw him once before we died, wish it was twice, man I remember being eight deep off in Chucky Crib Letting us act bad, not giving a fuck what we did When we lost him, I knew the world was coming to the end And I had to quit letting that devil push me to a sin My brother being in the bin for damn near ten But now it look like when he come out, man, I'm going in So shit, I walk around with my mind blown in my own fucking zone Cause one day you're here, the next day you're gone Early cause ain't enough light in the daytime Smoke two sweets and so these chickens Four o'clock like nine Big nut holder, my boulder smoker On the PA pipes AK loader as I get swallowed under city lights Niggas be looking shy So I look shy back Can't show no weakness with these bitches Get your life jacked Man it's a trip while I stay Especially for me Them bitches trying to lock me up for the whole century They gave my nigga down at 40 Don't say 19 I wish that we could smoke again and take a tight lean My world a trip, you can ask Bumby, bitch, I ain't no liar My man Bobo just lost his baby in a house fire And when I got on my knees that night to pray I asked God why you let these killers live and take my homeboy's son away Man, if you got kids, show you love them Cause God just might call them home Cause one day they here and baby the next day they gone
one